Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to be in verses 18 through 27 this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. It's such a joy uh, to see you all here this morning and to gather with you in worship. And as we continue in this series through 1 John, I hope and pray that uh, you are being blessed by this study of the love of our good Father. If you have your Bibles open to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, if you would, why don't you stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. John writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us, beginning in verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us, but you. You have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for the truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We all know that Roman Catholics all over the world hold the Pope in high regard. But there are not many who regard him because of his fashion sense. He may be the supreme pontiff, but he's not the supreme pontiff of drift. However, recently, and you can see the picture here on the screen, a picture of the Pope went viral in a puffer jacket that was from the Italian fashion brand Balenciaga, and people went crazy over it, talking about uh, his street style, what people call drift. He was ready to roll. He looked great. He looked fantastic. Here's the problem. The picture is completely fake. It's fake. Now, look at it. 
It looks real, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks remarkably realistic to the point there are many people, in fact, one uh, celebrity said, I am not prepared for the modern world because I 100% believed it was a real picture from the first moment I saw it. Not only is it a completely fake picture, we are really beyond the days where we even talk about pictures being photoshopped. This picture was generated entirely by artificial intelligence. This is an AI-generated photograph. Now, we have talked for years about how difficult knowing the truth can be. But I think something we all need to recognize with the dawn of AI is that it is going to get harder and harder and harder. The challenge is only going to grow in the years ahead of knowing what is true and what is false. Uh, Friends, we are uniquely susceptible to propaganda during this time. Things like this are sort of benign, unless you're the Pope. I thought he looked great, though, you know? I mean, anyway. I'm I'm glad that the algorithms don't know what I look like. Or uh, there's no telling what we may wind up with. Here's the thing, though. I want to encourage you to be shrewd and discerning when it comes to the information you encounter. And, and I encourage you in that, not just because we don't want to be duped or we don't want to misunderstand things, but primarily I say this to you. Why? Because Christians are a people of the truth. We are a community that's centered around the truth. We, we must be passionate about knowing the truth, and we must be committed to be people who believe the truth, and we must be committed to be truth-tellers. We, we have to be committed to telling the truth. I, I want to encourage you. The more outlandish you find something to be, the more outraged you are, you need to fight against your impulses to comment or share or say something immediately upon that moment. You may just want to take a moment to determine whether or not something's true before you say it. Now, isn't that a novel concept? Let's make sure something's true before we say it. Here's the thing, though, for us as Christians. It's not just that we want to know the truth. It's not just that we're passionate about the truth. It's not just that we think uh, people knowing the truth and telling the truth contributes to human flourishing and the flourishing of society. Though those things may be true, we must believe the truth and we must be people of the truth because all of our conception of truth, everything that we understand about what truth is, is rooted in and flows out of our understanding of the God who is truth. And we know God, and we love God, and we are His children through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth is a gospel issue for those of us who follow Jesus. This morning, I want to show you three things that are related to our relationship to the truth. That is, three truths that will help you grow in your discernment of lies, and your love of the truth. As we look at these three points, we'll see the way that John is addressing falsehoods and lies in the community to which he was writing, and we'll be able to grow in our understanding of what it means to live and love the truth as it is in Jesus. Three points this morning. Here's the first. The truth abides in Christ. That's our first point this morning. The truth abides abides in Christ. Now, notice what John says here. He says something that might be alarming to some of us at first glance. 
He says, children, it is the last hour. Children, it is the last hour. Sometimes people will ask me, preacher, do you believe we're living in end times? And my answer to that is there has never been a Christian who's lived who has not been living in end times. This is the last age. We are at the end of human history. We are in the final age of this world. So in that sense, indeed, it is the last hour. John is helping frame and shape what it means to be a Christian in such a way here that he is trying to make sure that we know that we need to live as if the Lord Jesus will return soon. We believe he will, and we want to continue to live as if he will. Notice what he says. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. I think John is referring here maybe to something Paul uh, talks about, a man of lawlessness in Thessalonians, Paul mentions this, who will one day be revealed. We see imagery in the book of Revelation about one who will come and blaspheme the name of the Lord Jesus, and many will follow. And here John is saying, you have heard about an Antichrist who will come. A personification of evil in this way. A, a, a literal person who will stand against the Lord Jesus, uh, stand against God, will stand uh, in opposition to and present himself perhaps as a replacement of the Lord Jesus. But, he says, now many antichrists have come. That is, there is a spirit of wickedness that's at work in the world. And so we can look and see things and realize that the way the devil is at work in the world and the way that truth is opposed in the world, so often that spirit of Antichrist is in the world. How difficult, I, I think, and consider so often how difficult it would have been for me to be alive in 1940 or 1941 and not at least think for a, a little bit that Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. It would be really difficult to do. Now, listen, if you're watching on TV, you can flip the channel and you will find someone, I'm sure, this morning telling you that someone in the world today is the Antichrist. Okay, and, and you can go find and Google later and find all sorts of charts and Bible codes and everything else to tell you that this person's the Antichrist or that person's the Antichrist. It can be confusing for us as Christians sometimes because often we do see people who have a large amount of charisma that people seem to flock to. They seem to be totally opposed to God's truth and God's word, and we wonder what in the world is going on. Here John gives us an understanding and a clue and an understanding the way the world works that in as much as people who are opposed to Jesus find a, a threshold and a, I mean a, a foothold and they gain a footing in the world, then we recognize and realize that there is a spirit of Antichrist that is at work. John here in particular is talking about those who were teaching and preaching a false gospel to those to whom he was writing. They went out from us, he says, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Now listen, this doesn't mean they just went to another church, those who left. There are situations where, I think I want to make this really clear. There are situations where people ought to leave churches. I think truth like this can really be abused in certain situations. 
Uh, there are situations where uh, a church leader or a person in a faith community uh, becomes abusive or mistreats his flock or uh, abandons the truth. And a verse like this can be used uh, to sort of abuse the privilege of what it means to shepherd and lead God's people. In other words, we have to be really careful when we are sinning, if we are doing something wrong, to say, well, they're just leaving because they're not of us. They're not true believers like we are. So we have to be really careful with this and recognize this. There are times when people have abandoned the authority of God's word, when people have abandoned those things. If there ever came a day where I ceased preaching the gospel from the word of God, or I began to be domineering or mistreating the people of God, uh, it would be a real good idea to either get me out of here or, or go find somewhere else to worship. So I just I want to make that really clear. But let me just say this, these false teachers ultimately left the church, and in this situation, it wasn't like they were going to another church or getting out of a bad situation. They had come there preaching a false gospel, denying that Jesus is the Christ ultimately, and they finally left, and John is saying they left the faith in their teaching and then left the fellowship with their persons because they were not of us in the beginning. This is a sign they are not of the same faith. As John is writing, it could be difficult maybe for some genuine, authentic believers to, to, to determine and to discern whether or not he's talking to them. So John, after making this clear, switches gears just a little bit in verse 20. He says, but you, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. This being anointed by the Holy One, I think, is a a sign or a picture of what it means to receive the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian. Uh, when, when you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. You are anointed with the Holy Spirit. This is borrowing language from when Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and it's using this language of the Holy One. Uh, the Holy Spirit, I think, is what John is referring to here. You are anointed with the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. This is something false teachers tend to want to do. Uh, false teachers, and especially in the early church, but it continues to this day, false teachers would want to come in and say something sort of like, hey, uh, you heard the gospel from the apostles, right? Yeah, of course I did, the person says. Well, let me tell you something. What they had to say from the beginning was good and all, but just come over here a little closer. Check this out. I've got something else for you here, uh, something better, uh, something newer. Oftentimes, it was something like a direct revelation from God. In fact, again, you can hear preachers even now that will say things like, well, I know what the Bible says, but in my private prayer time, God told me this. I, I, I know what you heard here, but really what the Holy Spirit is saying is, this. I know what the gospel says, but don't you want to go beyond the basics? Don't you want to move from milk to meat? Don't you want to go deeper? Don't you want a special knowledge? John is saying, don't listen to a word of that stuff. Instead, you have what you need. You, you have what you need. You have been anointed. You are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and you have knowledge already. When someone comes to you saying, don't you want special knowledge? What I would want to say and what I would encourage you to say is, I already have special knowledge. God has spoken to me in his word. 
And He's giving me His Holy Spirit to help me read and discern and have this Word illuminated in my heart. I don't need anything special. I'm already God's treasured child. I don't need some special knowledge. I already know the One in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. John is encouraging them and telling them that they need to be careful in hearing these things. I write to you, he says in verse 21, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. There are those who would try to lead us to abandon the faith and not always in explicit ways. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, pulpits are, are not very good confessionals. And so I try to, to treat it as such judiciously. But let me confess to you that the last seven or eight years for me have been uh, discouraging in terms of the broader Christian world, and even the last several years especially, in our own denomination. Now, let me first of all say that one of the most encouraging things during all of that season has been this church. It's, it's been this church in all those moments. I'll tell you, in my most deep moments of cynicism and frustration, you have been a breath of fresh air for me in the midst of the challenges and struggles of COVID and the way I would see Christians behaving during that time, I would always be reminded the Lord to bring you to my heart. And I'd be reminded of just how wonderfully uh, you acted <laughs> during that time. I'll, I'll never forget it, and it's one of the great joys of my life. But, as I told someone the other day, it's a real funny time to be a Southern Baptist pastor. It's a real funny time to be an evangelical Christian. It's a difficult, uh, trying time. And I am a natural skeptic and a little bit of a cynic. Again, confession time. And so uh, there are moments when I think, first of all, I can't let go of my church. But man, I'd love to let go of the rest. Every time someone speaks on behalf of Christians or on behalf of evangelicals or on behalf of Southern Baptists in a way that doesn't reflect me or reflect the Bible or reflect our church or anytime I hear these things, I just think, man, I, there have been more than once when I felt like I've been sold a false bill of goods by people I loved and trusted and respected. I mean, there's been lots of places I've found difficulty. And so I've been tempted sometimes to just, in my darker moments, my more difficult moments, to want to kind of let it all go. Again, not pastoring this church necessarily, but... A lot of different things. Frustrated. But what I can't let go of is the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time I find these moments where I think, well, maybe because this guy holds to my theology and it turns out he's a vile hypocrite and he's using it for power or he's using it for this or he's using it for that. Because this institution is abusing the truth that I hold dear, I should let go of that truth. In those moments, I say, I don't care about the institution. I don't care about the people. I just want to hold on to Christ. I can't let go of Jesus. And if I can't let go of Jesus, it means I can't let go of the truth. I cannot escape the truth of the gospel. I was gripped by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ years ago in my life, and I cannot let it go because He can't let me go. I cannot let go of Jesus. I say all that to say, please keep holding on as well. Don't let go of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth abides in Christ. The truth stays in Jesus. Here's the second point this morning. The second truth is this. Not only does the truth abide in Christ, but second of all, the truth is centered on Christ. The truth 
is centered on Christ. And I want you to remember this. Our commitment as Christians to the truth is not a generalized commitment to the truth. It's even beyond just thou shalt not lie, which should be enough for us as Christians. God commanded us not to lie, so we should be committed to the truth. But we don't just have a vague notion of appreciating something other than lies. No, we recognize as Christians, truth has a name. Truth is a person. All the treasures, Paul tells us, of wisdom and knowledge are contained in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the liar? Verse 22. But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. The big lie to end all big lies. The big lie is this, and that is to deny that Jesus is the Christ. And make no mistake about it, to do so, to deny that Jesus is the Christ, is ultimately to deny the Father and the Son. No one who denies, John tells us, the Son has the Father, but he tells us also that to confess the Son means you have the Father. All he's trying to say here, and what he's really trying to say is, if you do not have the true biblical Christ, then you don't have God the Father. You don't have the true God if you don't have the biblical Christ. You don't get God without Jesus. There are no amount of rules. There's no amount of law following. There's no amount of heritage. There's no ethnicity. There's not one thing. There's not one thing. Being strong or being weak. Being being fortunate or being oppressed. None of those things commend us before God. There's only one thing that can unite you to God as Father, and that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we have. Remember the gospel you heard from the beginning, John is telling us, and let it abide in you. Verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us. Eternal life. Brothers and sisters, holding to that gospel, that true gospel, will keep you and it will keep you forever. United to our God and Father. I want us to be so careful. In a world that's so confused on the truth, a world that's so challenged by truth, sometimes I think we can be so preoccupied with fighting against cultural insanity that we let go of Christ. I think we can become so enamored with keeping with the times that we let go of Christ. I think we can become so obsessed with our political viewpoints that we can be tempted to let go of Christ. But we cannot think for a moment that we can have the truth if we do not know and love the embodiment of truth Himself. The truth, my friends, not only abides in Christ, not only does the tr- is the truth centered on Christ, but finally, I want you to know this. And this is the last point this morning. The truth is yours in Christ. The truth is yours 
in Christ. The truth abides in Christ. The truth is centered on Christ. And finally, the truth belongs to you in Christ. I don't want you to get exasperated. I don't want you to get exasperated. I know how difficult it is. The other day, a friend asked me about a, a pastor. And he said, hey, do you know this guy? Is he solid? Now, for my whole life, that sort of meant, is this someone who's doctrinally solid? They preach the truth. They live the truth. Someone who's solid. And I, I texted back. It's not somebody I know deeply and personally. And I basically said, I don't even really know how to answer that question anymore. <laughs> because so many people over the years, I've been in ministry for a while now, who I thought were solid, who I thought were above reproach, who I thought were doctrinally robust, it turns out weren't. It's so difficult with someone you don't know personally to make anything, any kind of thing like that, statement like that. We can get exasperated wanting to know the truth. I feel exasperated sometimes. But I want you to know this. You have the tools you need to know the truth that matters most. God has equipped you. He has not left you without what you Need. Don't be confused, John is telling them. I write these things to you, verse 26, about those who are trying to deceive you. Don't be confused, he's saying. This is about them, not about you. You have what you need. The anointing that you received from Him, that is, when the Holy Spirit indwelled you at the time of your conversion. I, I think perhaps when John's talking about this anointing here, he's talking about the overall process of what it means to be saved. What, what happens when you come to know Christ? You're given a, a new heart and you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. What does he say? The anointing that you receive from Him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. That is, you don't need some teacher outside uh, the truth of the Bible. You don't need something extra. You have what you need. As His anointing teaches you, that is, your receiving of the gospel and your indwelling by the Holy Spirit teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as it has taught you abide in Him. You've believed the gospel. You still hold to the gospel. You have no need for someone to come set the record straight. You have the record on the pages of the Bible from the very mouth of God. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Him. This anointing teaches you and leads you to abide. It leads you to abide in Christ. The truth is yours, my friend. It belongs to you. It belongs to the Lord's church. You have the truth of the gospel. You have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You have God's Word written in the pages of the Bible. You have the Lord's church around you. Love the truth, my friends. Treasure the truth. Live the truth as it is in Jesus. The truth belongs to you. Maybe you're like me, and you just don't quite know what, what or who to believe anymore. I know you felt it. I've felt it. Let me encourage you. Lean into the gospel. Lean into what we know for sure. Lean into Christ. Trust the word. Trust the Bible. If it contradicts the Bible, 
rejected. Trust those whom God has given to help you. And I, I say this really carefully, but if you can trust your pastors, and I really like to believe you can, trust your pastors, your local pastors, the people you know, the people whose lives you watch, the people who you're around. And in as much as we reflect the truth of the Word, listen to us. If there's ever a moment where we don't reflect the truth of the, the Word, it's your responsibility to gently, lovingly help us see where we're out of line with the Word of God, but otherwise we're here to help, to help you see the truth. Start, I say all this to say, start with the one true thing. Start with the gospel. Center your life around who Jesus is, the truth of the gospel. And I believe if you start with the one true thing, Jesus Christ, who is truth personified, then you'll avoid the biggest lie of all. You'll avoid the biggest lie of all, which is the denial that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a, a truth that will rob you of joy. It's a truth that will rob you of life. It's a truth that will rob you of an eternity spent knowing and loving God. Start with the one true thing and you'll avoid the biggest lie of all. His anointing teaches you about everything. and It's true and it's no lie. And just as it has taught you, oh brothers and sisters, abide in Him. Abide in Him. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe with all my heart, if you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus, I, I believe you will be saved. If you need someone to talk to to tell, tell you more about the gospel, I'll be right here waiting on you this morning, or you can catch me right after church. I'll be downstairs waiting on you. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to know Jesus. Otherwise, right now, you can trust Him. Second of all, you may be a believer and you may say, Pastor, I just need some help growing in discernment and clinging to the truth. That's what I'm here for. I'd love to talk to you down front, point you to God's Word. If you just want to do business with the Lord right where you are, you're welcome to. Or if you want to come down to this altar, it's available for you this morning. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. Oh, what a joy it would be for me today to talk to you about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Church. Whatever business you need to do with the Lord, whether you do it right there or you come down here, after this prayer, I want to invite you to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. After this prayer, I invite you to come.